0: This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media. Thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au
1: Lucifer was one of the brightest and the shiniest and the greatest in the heavenly angelic beings. And he knows that the Word of God has real power. And he knows that he can't do anything about it. Dr. Michael Youssef. So what does he do? He does the next best thing. And the next best thing is this, to work on the soil on which that Word of God, the seed of the Word of God is going to go. He focuses all of his attention toward the stopping of the seed from being planted.
0: Each week, the Bible is taught around the world. Christians are infused with a burst of growth in their spiritual lives. But then, Monday comes. Real life presses in, and Satan's domain has been entered. Hello, and welcome to Leading the Way with Pastor and Author Dr. Michael Yusuf. Today, a look at the strategies of Satan that he uses to bring you down by stopping those seeds from being planted or nurtured. Hey, have you ordered this month's free resource from Dr. Yusuf? It's called Four Reasons You Can Trust the Bible. You'll appreciate Dr. Yusuf's insights, especially in a culture that discounts and discredits the reliability of the Bible in today's world. Visit ltw.org to order your free copy today, ltw.org. Listen with me now as Dr. Yusuf continues his series, Know Your Real Enemy.
1: Today, as we continue exposing the enemy and his method of operation, I want to focus on what really makes Satan thrive among believers. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus tells us what makes Satan thrive. And you know what it is? It is when he succeeds of blunting the effect of the power of the Word of God in your life and in my life. Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the Word of God is living, it's alive. The word of God is active. The word of God is sharper than two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of the joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God is a powerful thing, and you know what? Satan knows that. He understands and he comprehends. I met a lot of people who really shocked when I tell them that Satan is a believer. <laughs> he really, the Bible said, he believes and he trembles. He is a believer. And he knows how powerful that word of God is. He knows that it is powerful to change lives. He knows that it is powerful to convict of sin. He knows it is powerful to condemn and to judge. He knows it is powerful to encourage and to uplift. It is powerful to forgive and restore. It is powerful to produce fruit. It is powerful to accomplish God's purpose in your life and in mine. And that is what Jesus wants us to know from this parable of the soils. Lucifer was one of the brightest and the shiniest and the greatest in the heavenly angelic beings. He is an intelligent angelic being. And he knows that the Word of God has real power. And he knows that he can't do anything about it. He knows that he can't change it. He knows that he can't water it down. He knows that it cannot be modified. He knows that it is power and dynamite. So what does he do? He does the next best thing. And the next best thing is this to work on the soils on which that word of God, the seed of the word of God is going to go. He focuses all of his attention toward the stopping of the seed from being planted. He concentrates his energy on the condition of the soil, the recipient, the hearts of the men and women. He does all of his work toward keeping that word from doing its job in your life and in my life. And when it gets planted, he does all in his power to prevent it from growing, from germinating. And then if it does grow, then he prevents it from producing fruit. I began to think of what the devil is doing in our country, particularly within the mainline church. And think with me just for a moment. If the average church in America is about two or 300 members, the average church. If the devil wants to reach out 200 soils, hearts, he will have to mobilize at least 200 demons, if not more, to go after you in order to snatch away the Word of God as soon as it gets in. Wouldn't it be more economical for the devil, and he is a great economist, (laughs) wouldn't it be more economical if he goes after the preacher? He will get to the preacher and he gets him to preach a lie. At the same time convincing people that they are hearing a sermon, that they're hearing the word of God, they're listening to the word of God. All he has to do is assign one or two of his minions, one or two of his demons to get after a minister, to distort the truth, to distort the preaching of the word of God. And bingo, he hit the jackpot. (laughs) He got 200 people for the price of one. In Matthew 13, Jesus tells us, the sower went forth to sow. Verse 37 of Matthew 13, Jesus tells us who the sower is. It's the Son of God. And as soon as the sower gets out and starts sowing his seeds, Satan gets into work. All his demons and all his minions go into action and they work like beavers. Here's the first type of soil. He said the very first type of soil is the soil that goes on the edge of the field. Now, I don't know much about American farming. To be honest, I don't know much about Middle Eastern farming anyhow, but it's impressive if I tell you what Middle Eastern farming is like. (laughs) Between two farms, there's always a pathway. There is a border between the two farms. Not necessarily a fence, they don't have fences, so it was just a, a strip of land. It is a place where foot and hoof have walked many a time in order to make it so hard and so compacted. It is the strip in the field where the soil is not prepared to receive the seed. That's the first type of soil. And when the seed falls on this unprepared ground, this hard and compacted ground, what happens? It stays there until the bird comes in and snatches it and runs away with it. In verse 19 of uh, chapter 13 of Matthew, Jesus explained this part of his parable this way. The hardened soil, he said, is the person who does not understand and does not comprehend the scripture. Is the person who does not understand the power of the word of God. So what is Satan's strategy for this one? You're going to see three strategies of Satan in this operation here. The first strategy is this. Those who have heart so hardened, he immediately goes in there and he picks up the seed. Those are the type of people who get some goosebumps around Christmas time. The type of people who get teary-eyed when there's a tragedy. But otherwise, their heart's as hard as a rock. Nothing is penetrating it. They may go to church on occasions, but nothing is getting through. They may read the Bible on occasions, but nothing is getting through. And here's Satan's strategy. First, he blinds their minds so they don't understand the word. Secondly, he tries to make them forget what they've heard as soon as they hear it. Why? Because if the seed is allowed to germinate, it will produce fruit. And Satan doesn't like that. But he works against that. If one of his minions succeed in letting the word of God go in one ear and come out in the other... If Satan can stop a person from making the connection between what the Word of God said and applying it into the business-making decision, if Satan can get a housewife bent out of shape because she does not know how to apply the Word of God to her highest calling on the face of God's earth, if he can succeed in getting you to substitute human wisdom for God's Word, if he succeeds in getting you to substitute psychology for God's Word, if he can succeed in getting you to substitute counseling for the power of God's word if he succeed in satisfying your thirst for the word by some other fountain he has succeeded in the Middle East we have ravens and they are very common and you see them they go around and, around and around and wham very quickly in a twinkling of an eye they snatch their catch and fly away Well, how does Satan do that? Well, first of all, he fills your mind and clutters your mind with all kinds of things so that you cannot think of anything else, so that the seed of the Word of God cannot penetrate into your mind. You know, I have known people... Who go from church to church, from teacher to teacher, from counselor to counselor, seminar to seminar, retreat to retreat. Who is going from one place to the other. And nothing is happening inside. And you ask, why in the world is this happening? You know why? Because Satan has convinced them that all they need is more seed, more seed, more seed. When in reality, that's not true. What they need is the plowing of the Holy Spirit to plow the soil of their hearts in order that the Word of God can be planted. How does the... Soil of your heart gets compacted. All well, the several ways. The Bible said, if I incline a sin in my heart, my prayers will not be heard. So there is a sin in your life, and you rationalized it, and you lived by that rationalization. I want to tell you now, all the preaching and all the teaching and all the books in the world, they're not going to do you a bit of good. And Satan does not want you to deal with your confessing of your sin. Why? Because the first thing confession does, it begins to plow that compact, that hard soil. In order that we break the soil of our hearts, if there's any hardening there, it begins to break down and shake up in order that the seed of the Word of God be able to penetrate. Because when the Word of God goes in and pray bears fruit, Satan is not very happy. And the second of many ways in which your heart can be compacted, And that's what the Bible calls the root of bitterness. The root of bitterness. Some people have roots of bitterness so deep, so deep, that they're not able to even comprehend it. They try to deal with the symptoms. They try to deal with the fruit of it rather than with the root. But when that root of bitterness takes hold of the soil of your heart, it makes it so hard, nothing penetrates it. Even the Holy Spirit has a hard time getting through. Bitterness will so compact your heart that your heart cannot receive the word of God. Even if you read the scripture 24 hours a day. It's like the grain of wheat that has been discovered in the greater pyramid of Egypt. Scientists who found it, who run the tests, said that this seed most likely has been there for nearly 3,000 years on a hard rock. Stayed there. Another person calculated that if that seed was being planted and harvested, planted and harvested throughout this time, it would have created enough food to feed the whole world for two days. But it sat there. It sat there on the rock, producing no fruit. The second type of soil and the second type of Satan's strategy is this. And Satan really works harder, a little harder, not as much as the third one, but a little harder on this one. It is when the seed falls on a shallow soil. A shallow soil. In this case, Satan is unable to prevent the Word of God from getting in. He tries, but then he can't. And this particular person receives the Word of God and begins to reproduce itself in his life. So Satan has to come up with plan B. Plan A will not work, it's already failed. So here's a strategy B for Satan. Verses 20 and 21. Jesus gives us away the strategy. He tells us what it is. He said, this is the person who gets excited about hearing and understanding and comprehending the gospel. This is the person who commits his life or her life to Christ. They come down the aisle. They sign the decision card. And they go to church for several months. Every time the door opens, they're there with enthusiasm. Then a member of the family begins to make fun of them you will say, hello, Mr. Preacher. I've seen that firsthand. Here comes the prophet. Here goes the Bible thumper. Be careful. Or among young people particularly, your friends start to say to you, well, you're not cool anymore. (laughs) Since you became religious, you're not really cool. So what does Satan do? One of his demons comes to that person and he says, you know, you have to go underground with your newfound faith. I even heard ministers say that. (laughs) You need to keep your religion between you and God. After all, religion meant to be very private. Some of us know people preach this. So what does this person do? He crawls back into a hole of ineffectiveness for God. Then there's a third method by which Satan operates to neutralize the effectiveness of the Word of God in the life of a Christian. Verse 7. Other seed fell upon thorns, and the thorns grew and choked them. Now, just think of that operation for a minute. Verse 22, Jesus gives us the explanation. He said, well, the thorns are the worries of this world, the worry warts. (laughs) And then the deceitfulness of wealth, the deceitfulness of wealth. People who get their security blanket out of their net worth rather than out of their commitment to Jesus Christ and his lordship in their life. Now remember, this was a productive soil. This was not a hard, compacted soil. This was not a shallow, superficial soil. This was a good soil. In fact, this particular plant forced its way through the briars and towered above it. You know what? I believe this is Satan's hardest work. He sweats bullets among those whose hearts in which the word of God is established firmly and begins to germinate. So what does he do? He works his hardest to stop it from making much progress. Well established, but not making much progress. Full of activities, but not, no results. Busy, 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 but nothing to show for it. You see, if Satan cannot remove the Word of God from taking hold in your life, what is he going to do? He's going to try to uproot it. And if he cannot uproot it, what is he going to do? he tried to choke it. And if he sees that you are growing to the point of almost getting ready to be fruitful for the kingdom of God, he will get you so occupied in so many things that you won't have time to think about growing and reproducing yourself in the kingdom of God. He will get you busy in some sort of project. He will get you busy in a new promotion on your job. He will get you busy with social activities. He will get you busy with your investments. He will get you busy with prominence and fame. He will get you busy involved in too many good things. Please listen to me very carefully and hear me right on this one because when it comes to this matter, I speak from experience. Mm -hmm. After running haggard for the first two years of the life of this church, in the fall of 1989, the Lord got my attention when I was flat on my back for two weeks. Couldn't do anything else. And the Lord's precious voice was so clear to me He says, you cannot minister to others until you have ministered to me. I thought I was doing my best. I thought ministering to others is what I'm supposed to do. Oh, listen, I never missed my quiet time. (laughs) I read the scripture every day. I prayed. I didn't miss my quiet time. But you see, I had a problem of being able to say no. Real problem. And the Lord had to teach me the hard way. First, the Lord assured me that no matter how hard I work, I am not the fourth member of the Trinity. (laughs) (laughs) Secondly, that it is was God who works in me, and I better not forget that. Because if God is working in me, then I can work one hour and I'm far more productive than a whole year without God working in me. Now we ministers are the biggest culprit when it comes to forgetting this lesson and I'm chief among them. And when I read that the average American evangelical pastor spends less than 20 minutes a day in prayer and then I read that the average Korean pastor spends at least 90 minutes in prayer every day, no wonder God is doing great things in Korea. Clearly. What the Lord wanted me to do is spend the first two hours of my day with Him and Him alone. And I want to be truthful with you. In my own heart of heart, I believe if I've not changed my lifestyle in 1989, probably I wouldn't be here today. It was Satan's trick, pure and simple. Pure and simple. He delights in getting us preoccupied with anything, anything, anything that will sap our energy, anything that will take away our time, anything that that saps our efforts, anything that takes away our staying plugged in and ministering to God first and foremost and know where He wants us to be productive, not in what our own production, but His production line. We think that activities are the same as being productive. We really do. Far from it. Well, we ask what is wrong with activities. Nothing wrong with activities if they do not become the focus of our life. You say, what is wrong with riches? Nothing wrong with riches if they does not become our security and our primary goal in life. You say, well, what is wrong with pleasures? Nothing wrong with pleasures if they are the expression of our faith, another substitute for it. Why? Because idols of any kind, please hear me right, idols of any kind have a way of choking our effectiveness. Idols have a way of smothering our witness. Idols have a way of destroying our testimony. Idols have a way of destroying the joy of the Lord. From history, I'm aware of the fact that uh, when the Muslims invaded India, there was a general who invaded India and brought Islam to India. And when his conquering forces came to India, they went into the Hindu temples and they destroyed every idol they could find. Islam cannot stand idols. And they were destroying them right, left, and center. And in one celebrated temple, the priests came to this man and they said to him, Please, whatever you do, leave that idol alone. This is the most precious of all idols. We don't know why, but we were told this. Leave that alone. They were begging him, but he refused. Instead, he struck That idol was the biggest blow of them all. And from that image burst open a stream of precious stones cascaded from the hollow interior. As I thought of that piece of history, I said to myself, in many ways, this is how it works in the life of a believer. This is how it works in your life and in my life. For each idol in our lives lives That we are willing to destroy. We will gain more than lose. For every idol that is demolished. Will bring us new treasures of grace. Every idol that you surrender to the Lord. Will remove another hindrance to the productive life of prayer. Then there's a, a fourth type of soil. It's the kind of person who is sober. The person who is vigilant. The person who is serious-minded about the enemy and the works of the enemy. He or she is productive according to their gifts, according to their talents, 100, 60, 30, according to the blessings that God has given them. For if you come to the Word of God with unrepentant heart, Satan is going to snatch the seed away. If we come to God, to the Word of God... And our aim in life is wealth, riches, worry so much about the future and what's going to happen in the future, choked up. If we come to the Word of God with bitterness, jealousy, strife, if we come to the Word of God, fear of persecution, fear of not being liked, fear of not being accepted, we will be scorched. But if you come to the Word of God by the Spirit of God, the good seed of the Gospel, the good seed of the Word of God sown by the Lord Jesus Christ is going to produce fruit in your
0: life and in mine. Dr. Michael Youssef, helping you understand the parable of the soils. Wondering what all of this means to you? Speak to one of our pastoral team about questions you may have. Begin a conversation at ltw.org slash Jesus. LTW.org slash Jesus. Well, for more than three decades, Dr. Yusuf has been standing up for the gospel, standing for truth, and using the powerful tools of media to declare it to the nations. And we're always excited to hear about lives changed through Dr. Yusuf's teaching. And recently, our international team shared this story about a woman in Egypt. She was born into a very devout Muslim family where she memorized the Qur'an with her grandfather, who led the prayer at their local mosque. As she learned more and more in her studies of the Qur'an, no one was able to answer her doubts. Plus, being told not to question her faith brought even more doubts, leaning her further into seeking truth. She began to search the internet for answers of faith questions and came across Dr. Yusuf's teaching. After listening, she prayed that God would reveal himself to her and spoke on several occasions to the Leading the Way team in her area. She became a Christian and considered the church her family because she experienced rejection by her own family and those who know her. Learn more of the global work of Leading the Way when you call 1300 133 589. That's 1300 133 589 or at ltw.org. That's ltw.org. Well, join us again next time when we continue this powerful message called Know Your Real Enemy. That's right here on Leading the Way. This program is furnished by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Connect through television, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and all of the social media networks. Learn more at ltw.org.